Welcome to the Revenue Builders Podcast, a weekly show featuring B2B sales leaders and executives. Hosted by five-time CRO John McMahon and force management co-founder John Kaplan, the show goes behind the scenes with the people who have been there, done that, and seen the results. If you enjoy our content, please subscribe, rate, and review the show to help us reach more people. Revenue Builders is brought to you by Force Management. We help companies improve sales performance, executing the growth strategy at the point of sale. Find us at forcemanagement.com. Enjoy today's episode. Hello, and welcome to another great episode of the Revenue Builders podcast. I'm John Kaplan here with my great friend, five-time CRO and best-selling author of the book, The Qualified Sales Leader on Amazon, all over the place. Go get it. It's a fantastic must-read. Johnny McMahon, how are you? Doing great, Johnny Kaplan. Doing great. And I'm, I'm excited about our guest today. Really excited to talk to her. I am too. So let's jump into it. I want to do a quick intro. Um, Niha Saxana is an executive health and performance coach. Um, she's a, an in-house happier coach at a great technology company called Sprinkler and founder of a health and performance company called Airworks. Niha trains leaders to harness the power of their minds, conquer stress, and become their best selves. Using powerful ancient techniques reinforced by modern science, she equips high-impact individuals to overcome challenges such as insomnia, anxiety, depression, and much more. Her passion is empowering self-reliance by investing in tools that enable longevity and well-balanced, high-vitality living. The tools Niha uses are simple but not easy. Uh, Breathwork is the cornerstone of her process. Life is synonymous with breathing, and therefore she starts with the very foundation of life, the power of the breath. Uh, Niha describes mastering the skill of breathing as one of the fastest, most effective ways to hack your mind, boost performance, and invest in your overall well-being. You'll hear her say, uh, if you can breathe, you can overcome any challenge. In fact, you can flourish. So, Johnny, as you know, I was blessed to have met Niha a few years ago when I encountered an extremely uh, difficult and stressful time in my own personal life. Um, for our audience who may have heard our podcast with Army War veteran Anthony Anderson, who walked across America with his buddy as they were suffering through the effects of PTSD, you might remember one of the most critical therapies uh, of their recovery, uh, which we talked about, was provided by the great men and women at a at an uh, organization called Project Welcome Home Troops. That therapy was all about a breathing and meditation program offered by the wonderful people in an organization called The Art of Living, The Art of Living. And this is where I was introduced to Niha. So um, I am what you might call a graduate of Niha's program. Uh, Johnny, it's my fantastic pleasure to introduce you to Niha Saxana. Hey, Niha. So glad to have you today. I got a lot of questions for you. (laughs) Hi, John. Really excited to be here. And, you know, both John and John, always a pleasure to meet you, John Kaplan. But also the other John, I've been hearing so much (laughs) about you. I think a lot of you were on Sprinkler's board, I think. Yes, I was in of, the early days with Raji. Yes, very yeah, And a lot of our sales leaders really look up to you. So I've been hearing a lot about you from them. And I'm really excited that I finally get some FaceTime with you. So thank let's you. Hope, for let's hope that I can live up to it. <laughs> so Niha, you're talking about people at Sprinkler and a lot of people that you know, you know and I know. Mm-hmm. And most of our audience, we live in, you know, the startup world or sales or marketing and venture capitalists, CEOs. And we we live in this 90 day increments. You know, we get measured every 90 days and we have to pump out a much higher bookings number, higher performance. So everybody's under stress, making sales calls, demand generation, building pipeline. And I think it's really important for people to understand the power that the breath can have on being able to perform at a much higher level. So the way that I understand it, and I'd like to ask you about this, is the breath affects two parts of our nervous system, the parasympathetic, which is the rest and restore part of our nervous system, 
And then the sympathetic, the fight or flight part of our nervous system. Can you educate our audience a little bit on those, how the breath affects the nervous system? Absolutely. And I think I want to back up just a little bit. And okay. actually, before we get into the relationship between how breath can help with the management and regulation of the autonomic nervous system, I think we should just back up and talk a little bit about the stress response, you know, fundamentally understand. Now you're in my game. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I think the knowledge, it's a little bit of science, but I think once people understand what's happening, they're more open to trying the tools and it becomes a much more sort of fruitful experience. So just backing up, I think there is a lot of uh, this notion in the mainstream that stress is bad. Okay, that stress is something that I need to run away from. Data and scientific data from sports science actually tells us that stress is not what is the killer of high performance. The real root cause that affects performance is the absence of recovery after a stressful period. Mm. So acute stress is actually good for the system. You know, when you do things like cold shower, it, it causes adrenaline to get pumped into your system, which boosts your immunity. You need that adrenaline burst to kind of focus, concentrate. So acute stress is not bad. It's actually good. It's a mechanism in the body to help you perform better. But it's the absence of recovery after these stressful periods. It's the absence of disciplined recovery routines that cause chronic stress and mm -hmm. which then impacts the inability, the, the system, the nervous system is not able to reset. And that can happen, you know, for months, years, lifetimes. And that's when you start to respond to external stimuli in a heightened fashion. So one is that. The second thing I want to talk about is what is stress? Okay, so we have to just uh, from a, you know, like a beginner's mind, understand what stress is. And stress is a generic mechanism. When I say generic, it means that it cannot, it doesn't differentiate between physical stressors, you know, things that trigger us, mental triggers or emotional triggers. Stress is a physiological response that is generic to the body, which is hardwired for survival. You guys still with me? Yes. Yeah. So it Absolutely. doesn't matter whether, uh, um, you know, like a tiger is running at you or if a boss shows up on a call and uses, um, you know, like a mean tone to talk to you. It doesn't differentiate between whether the stressor is physical or it's emotional or mental. It's a generic response, which leads to this cascade of neurological, neurochemical um, happenings in the body that are basically the body trying to survive the perceived threat. So just going into a little bit more weeds, Fundamentally, there's a group of neurons. It's called the sympathetic chain ganglia, okay? It is a group of neurons between your neck and your navel. So it's in the core of the body. So anytime we see a threat, right? Like what we perceive as a threat, this chain of neurons get activated and it then in turn activates different cells and different neurons and different organs of the body to release a substance called acetylcholine, which then triggers neurons in different organs to release epinephrine, basically. Mm -hmm. And so now we have to understand that epinephrine does two things. And in very layman terms, it upregulates certain systems and it downregulates certain systems. So it's a yes for certain things and it's a no for certain things. So what happens when epinephrine gets released, uh, you, the, there are certain receptors called beta receptors in the systems or the organs that are supposed to be upregulated. So like the heart muscles, the muscles in the limbs where more blood flows to the extremities and the blood vessels sort of dilate. But the opposite thing is happening in other systems things like the digestive system, the immunity, the reproductive organs, or even, you know how your throat dries up when you're feeling stressed or anxious? It's mm -hmm. because blood flow to the salivary glands is constricted. Mm. Okay. So 
any organ that is a luxury, that system is sort of repressed. So it's a yes for certain systems and it's a no for certain systems. And the third thing we need to understand that the fundamentally the stress response is basically to get you to move. Okay, blood flows to the extremities so that you can get ready to run, fly, fight, flight, or freeze, you know, right. from right. that situation. And what happens is when you curb, you know, it, it's basically priming you to take action, take action in the sense physical action, or we end up saying stuff that we then later regret. And so if you notice anytime you're feeling stressed and you curb that fundamental urge to take action, to move, you'll feel it as a tremor in your body. And that is mm -hmm. when you're feeling stressed, you end up blurting things that you don't want to say or you, you know, later regret. So to manage stress, you have to fundamentally learn how to manage that aggressive, that aggression response. Are you, is that making sense? Yeah, yes, absolutely. So I think about when listening to you, I take, I go in the sauna a lot or the steam room and in the first mm -hmm. 10 or 15 minutes, it's okay. But then all of a sudden it reaches this point where whatever you're thinking about, your body just says, oh my gosh, it's so freaking hot right now. Mm -hmm. And then what I find myself, that's the point where you're saying, I'm thinking I got to run, but now I want to stay in there. So then the only thing that I have is my breath. And then I, what I find myself doing is starting to concentrate on taking these really deep breaths in order to get my mind off of how hot it is. Or when you go in a cold shower afterwards, you get that, what you were just talking about, you get this gasping effect immediately. And the only way to get your mind off of it is to start to just breathe really deep. And then it starts, you know, you get your mind off of it and you go away. So you get rid of that fight or flight syndrome. Yeah. And what you just described is something we call in performance, um, you know, coaching as SIT, stress inoculation training. You're priming your nervous system to handle a high level of stress because what the stress response is generic, right? It doesn't differentiate between physical stressors or mental. So by putting yourself in a steam room and then a cold shower, you're training your parasympathetic nervous system to adapt better to external or internal stressors. But uh, so really good point. But the next thing I want to really touch upon is the is is the thing about the stress clear? Is the mechanism clear? Yes. But yes. Yes. So now I want to talk about what you had initially asked, the relationship between breath work and how do you regulate your nervous system using the breath. Yes. So let's, let's go back to the fundamental. What happens? And then we'll, I want to share a quick tool with, the, with everyone. So what happens when we breathe? When you breathe in, the lungs expand, right? The chest cavity expands. The diaphragm pushes down right so when that happens the heart enlarges like the heart enlarges also and the rate of blood flow in the heart goes down right because the volume increases and there's a special set something called as sa node the sinoatorial node in the uh, heart which is actually monitoring the rate of blood flow and the moment it senses that the rate has gone down it sends a signal to the brain that hey we need to quicken this heartbeat okay otherwise all the cells in the body are not going to get oxygen right mm -hmm. which is what we need for cellular respiration and to be alive so and then the opposite thing happens when you breathe out so what happens you're contracting the diaphragm goes up the chest cavity contracts the volume the heart contracts the rate of blood flow in the heart increases and the same mechanism monitors that hey the rate is increasing we need to bring this down so this is the relationship anytime you want to reduce your heart rate right you want to breathe out longer than you're breathing in mm. interesting yeah. does that make sense so yes. It's going to stimulate the parasympathetic nervous system, not it's the 
other part of the autonomic nervous system, which then kicks in by taking that cortisol out of your system, getting the rest and digest response going. But very fundamentally, physiologically, this is what is happening. As you breathe in, the chest cavity expands. If you ever want to increase your heart rate, take long inhalations. If yeah, you want so to- Neha, a lot of times people say that there's like three parts, you breathe in slowly and then hold your breath for a long period of time and then exhale even slower. Hmm. Can you talk about, does it, does it make sense to hold your breath after you so, to calm your system down? It does. It does. There are certain things that happen when you hold the breath. So the volume of carbon dioxide in your system increases on a cellular level, mm-hmm. right? And it is that urge to get rid of the carbon dioxide that the that causes the exhalation to happen. And uh, because and that is very important because it's the acid-base balance of your blood is being monitored very centrally by this carbon dioxide concentration on a cellular level as you breathe in and out. And that, like we just said, if you can breathe out longer than you're breathing in, you're stimulating your parasympathetic nervous system. So when you hold the breath, the carbon dioxide sort of concentration increases. It causes you to take a long exhalation. So yes, holding is helpful and there are different breathing patterns, uh, but it's this rhythmic breathing um, that is very, very potent. And anytime you know you wanna, curb that anxiety, you want to curb, get a handle on your stress, you want to breathe out longer than you want, than you're breathing in. And really briefly, I want to quickly also touch upon this because I'm hearing this a lot. Like just yesterday I was with, with this person. I mean, their manager called them 10 times in the span of 90 minutes. Was it the last day of the quarter? probably you know they're going through qbrs but it's about the urge to control like and this person's feeling so disengaged so dis you know like they're trying to do their job but the managers are also just trying to control the situation so the point that i'm trying to say is that we know now from neuroscience that when you are stressed you know there are three parts to our brain Okay, I like to think of it, there are three executives in the brain. The first is the primitive executive, which is centered around the brainstem and the amygdala, which is about survival. Okay, which the second is, you know, the social executive, which is around the default mode network and the parietal lobe, which is about social connection, empathy and all of that. Then the, the third is the task executive, which is the prefrontal cortex. It's about getting things done, critical thinking, analyzing. So now we know that when the amygdala is aroused, when your primitive executive is aroused, it's anti-correlational to the other two executives. Mm. So what you got to breathe more, Johnny. I'm working on it. Yeah, you're you're in primitive <laughs> a lot, buddy. So what that <laughs> Sorry, that, that was an unprovoked attack. Sorry about that. Keep going. I get many of those, Neha. He can't control <laughs> his breath, so he has to speak out. Yeah. No, so what that really means is that if you are feeling stressed, your ability to rationally think is going down the drain. That's why people show up on calls and lose it. They don't want to lose it, right? So that's where this breath work can be a very handy tool because you cannot manage the mind from the level of the mind. Your prefrontal cortex is being shut down as soon as you're in the stress response because we are hardwired for survival. We want to conserve all that energy that the thinking executive consumes and direct it towards survival. So all the more important, you know, I was just recently reading a report from MIT Sloan Business Review about you know, the reasons behind the great resignation and all of that, toxic culture is 10 times more likely to cause intent of resigning than compensation, mm-hmm. right? So the point that I want to make is that it's, uh, you can't think your way out of it. Breathwork is the tool because your thinking brain is being shut down when you're under stress. So, Nia, talk to me a little bit about exercise. So people, when we exercise, whether it's running, cycling, swimming, yoga, those that exercise forces us 
at least me, to breathe much deeper. Like you can't swim if you don't breathe deep and can start to control your breath. And then when you're done, you're so calm and you don't feel like you are in your upper chest system. You feel like you're, when you come home, like you're down near your belly button, like you're more centered, let's say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what, talk to us about that. Yeah, it's when you stress, so, you know, when, when the heart rate goes over beyond what is resting heart rate, it causes that acute stress response, which is the release of epinephrine in, in the cells which brings focus, which brings alertness, which brings, which boosts your immune system. And then that is, exercise is controlled acute stress. And that's what it's doing. Yeah. That's why 20 minutes of brisk walking, right? You'll have doctors give you a prescription of walk for 20 minutes, or uh, nowadays it's three minutes of high intensity workout done three times a day can really improve immunity and cognitive functioning. In fact, like just yesterday, I was reading this study about how squatting three times a day for about five minutes each time stimulates the endothelial lining of your blood vessels. And it's showing to have a direct impact on your ability to think and critically, you know, your cognitive, boosting your cognitive skills, basically. So does that make sense? Does that answer your question? Yeah. Go ahead, Johnny. Go ahead. One of my questions is, and I don't want to get past this because it was some of, you know, when you first taught me how to breathe, and I'm not joking here when I say that, like I had to be taught how to breathe. And I was kind of in a state where, um, you know, all of these things were happening to me. My prefrontal cortex was, you know, shutting down and my, you know, my sympathetic nervous system was fully, you know, going crazy. But um, I remember not really... I mean, you had to teach me how to breathe, like, and there's some questions about it. So Johnny's talking about going deep into the abdomen and, and, and you started off talking about kind of like expanding your rib cage and enlarging the circumference around your heart or what have you. And so if you go on YouTube or whatever, there's people who say, yeah, you got to breathe from your stomach. And there's other people that say you got to breathe from your, you know, your chest, you'd breathe through your nose, breathe through your mouth. Could you kind of explain to us like, is there a way to an optimal way just mechanically to take in air and where from? Does that make sense? Sure. Great question. And again, like just a little bit. And after this, I want to teach you guys some, you know, share a little bit of a quick technique. But again, when we are stressed, you feel a slight constriction in your chest. Don't you guys? Yes. Right. Yes. The body is trying to conserve all its energy and send all of that to the extremities. And from a breathing uh, standpoint, the gaseous exchange is actually happening in a structure called alveoli in our lungs, right? And we have about 500 million of those, okay? And they are fluid lined, okay? So, so imagine you have a balloon, you fill it with water, and then you take out all the water and then you try to fill it with air, it's going to be harder, isn't it? The yes. balloon kind of sticks together because yes. water has something called surface tension. So alveoli, the air sacs where this exchange is happening, it's fluid lined. So they tend to constrict. You feel that constriction in your chest. And that is why something like a physiological side where you're breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth is going to help you open those alveoli and get that heart rate down. So Do you expand. What are you talking about expanding your chest? Are you talking about going so deep that it not only expands the chest, but it also expands the diaphragm and the belly? So first, I think there's a fundamental thing that we have to understand that our main breathing muscle is the diaphragm. Okay. Yeah. So when we say, I mean, breathe from your belly, what does that really mean? It just yeah. means that the, the organs that are involved in breathing is your lung. Okay. It's like nothing's going, air is not going <laughs> to times, you know? So yeah. what this basically means is the intercoastal muscles between the ribs and the diaphragm is the big breathing muscle. So you want to get the diaphragm uh, to activate and be more active. So that is what deep belly breathing means. And we are actually inevitably doing that. If you look at a baby, 
if you you have a newborn look at the baby breathing you'll see their stomach bloat up it's because their diaphragm is pushing down and so yeah. the in the baby is not trying to say oh i want to breathe from my belly no we naturally breathe like that but what happens is when we have chronic stress build up the muscles the tensions the muscles hold that tension in the body you know there's a really great book it's called the body keeps scores so yeah. over time the body is so tense that uh, the diaphragm is not it loses flexibility so uh, to answer your question the right way of breathing is to breathe in and out through the nose you don't you don't really want to breathe in through the mouth because it can cause things like tonsillitis and stuff you want to breathe in through the nose because there's you know cilia there that filter the air and uh, the the lots of things that happen it brings the air to the right temperature it senses for poisonous gases so you want to breathe in through the nose and you can breathe out through the mouth if you're in acute phase so i want to share something called the physiological sigh uh, a quick question for you guys how often do you think we sigh depends upon well i was going to leave that unprovoked provoked attack coming here comes <laughs> <laughs> <I> feel it <laughs> depends on who he's talking how to how often sorry. do we sigh uh, i don't know i really don't So data shows that we're actually sighing every 5 minutes. And if you want to if you think that's too high a number do an experiment just lie down quietly tonight and see how often you're taking a deeper breath. It's to open those alveoli. And that is why this technique that I'm about to share with you the physiological sigh really helps regulate that. So uh it's called the physiological sigh. It's a tool that is rooted in neuroscience we're going to take a deep breath in and then we're going to take another quick sip so it opens that those air sacs and then we're going to breathe out through the mouth as long as we possibly can so we want to breathe out longer than we're breathing in so you ready you want to try this yeah, i'm going to turn yeah, off sure. my um, i'm going to turn off my microphone so i don't sound like a fat guy breathing so <laughs> okay so let's close the eyes relax the shoulders place your palms on your thighs open to the ceiling and for the physiological sigh through the nose nose take a deep breath in take another quick sip and out through the mouth and as you're breathing out pull your navel in breathe out for a little longer let's do this four more times breathe in through the nose and take another quick sip and out through the mouth in through the nose another quick sip and long exhale through the mouth pull the navel in breathe out for a little longer last two rounds breathe in through the nose another quick sip out through the mouth last one breathe in another quick sip out through the mouth and relax keep your eyes closed for a moment let your breath return to normal and just notice the impact notice the reduction in your heart rate the state of your mind and when you're ready you can open the eyes How was that? How do you feel now? Calm. Calm. And I also noticed my diaphragm and then I thought about what you were saying before but and the diaphragm is like a it's really a fundamental posture and core muscle core muscle also, isn't it? So Right. That's why I think a lot of times people say when they really breathe effectively they almost feel like they're a little bit taller. Yeah. And mm. actually because we have a diaphragm we're able to have a bigger brain than most other species. because the brain has this huge requirement for oxygen and to support that it's because we have the strong breathing muscle the diaphragm that enables that so neha somebody's getting ready to go into a you know present big presentation to go get a 
million dollar deal and they're getting ready to walk in the room. And before they walk in the room, they probably should do the exercise that we just did to, to calm their system down. That's one, a physiological sigh is really, like, it works 100% of the time. Like I just gave you the science behind it. Yeah. But say if you're on a conference call and you can't start sighing, then I have another, it'd be like, wait a second, <laughs> let me just take a few sighs. <laughs> There's another quick tool that I teach people. It's called the 16 second breath. Okay. And this is something you can just do with your eyes open and people won't even know, okay? Uh, so for the purposes of this, let's do it. Maybe you can close your eyes if you're comfortable. If you want to do it with your eyes open, we can try that. So take a deep breath in and just let it go. And for the 16 second breath on my count through the nose, breathe in two, three, four, hold the breath in two, three, four, breathe out through the nose, two, three, four, five, six, hold the breath out, two, breathe in, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, breathe out, two, three, four, five, six, hold the breath out, two, just a few more rounds, breathe in, bring your full focus to your breath, Hold the breath as you're holding the breath, keep your shoulders relaxed. And as you're breathing out, pull your navel in, breathe out for a little longer. Hold the breath out, two, breathe in, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. Breathe out, two, three, four, five, six. Hold. Two, last one, breathe in, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, breathe out, two, three, four, five, six, hold the breath out, two, and relax. And when you're ready, you can open the eyes if you're close to them. How was that? Awesome. That was really good. And I need Kaplan to do that when he gets a fish on the line, because he usually starts yelling at me, go get the net, get the boat, turn the boat the right uh, way, get the other fishing poles out of the way, hurry up, get the net. What are you doing? Back the boat up. Yes. Yes. Niha. Since, to calm down a little bit. Since, since you've um, taught me how to do this, I believe we, first met in 2017 so i've actually been doing versions of this that you've taught me for the last five years and i've noticed that um sometimes i try too hard sometimes i i'm not in the right physical actual physical space like you just gave us a technique that is okay if you're in a place where you you don't want to like you know, sigh in or make loud breaths out or what have you, you can still do this other technique. Um, I have found, you know, this is not as easy as you would think it is breathing. We don't even think about breathing, but when you purposefully do this, there are a number of things that I have found that have been difficult. For example, um, and because I signed up with you, you provided me this wonderful guided tour. And I, I hope that you know, we give your website and people have the ability to do that because it's just so awesome. But I hear you in my head where you'll be saying, um, you know, just come back. You know, I my mind wanders like in, in you teach me to be very focused on the breath. And then I get frustrated because my mind wanders. Johnny, you and I have talked about this on just meditation and stuff. And we get frustrated because our mind is still going so fast that it wanders. But you've kind of made that okay for me, Niha. You've like, you know, dude, don't worry about it. Just come back to the breath. Would you talk a little bit about some of the typical struggles that you hear from people? And then they say, I can't do it. I've heard people, I'm like, hey, do you meditate or you do? And people be like, I can't do that. I can't do that. And I ask them why. And it's like common challenges that, that kind of force people away from it. Does it make sense? What are some of the common challenges you hear on why people say they can't do it? Great question. I think 
and that's where you know i love i love all the you know companies who've made so called meditation quote and quote mainstream because thanks to them and all the initiative that they've taken that it's common language today but i think there's also a little bit of a disservice there i meet people on a daily basis who try and they're like oh i can't even keep my eyes shut for like a minute and this is hard this is too hard i can't do this and that's where i think you have to understand two three fundamental things okay first it's the job of the mind to perceive through the senses that is what it is designed to do okay so if it is going it is constantly scanning the environment for any threat or any and all information this i'm forgetting the number but this enormous amount of data that is coming into the brain through the eyes smell sound touch you are constantly perceive even with your eyes closed you have a sense of yeah. uh, oh my god is somebody falling on me or not you it's designed to do that okay so number 1 number 2 you cannot manage the mind from the level of the mind so it's like saying the room is dark and i'm going to push the darkness away you don't do that you just open the curtain you turn on the lamp you don't push the darkness away you switch the lamp on and from a neuroscience perspective we know that when you're feeling stressed when the mind is going all is unfocused you can't tell it to focus it's not going to work why because we know the prefrontal cortex is shut down your ability to think rationally and act rationally is greatly diminished so you cannot manage the mind from the level of the mind so the more i'm sure like i hear people it's like the more i try to concentrate during my meditation the more horrible it becomes right yes yes session <clears throat> so one i want you to know that it's the job of the mind to wander to it's doing its job bringing in all those senses you know information through all the major senses we have the eyes the ears the touch smell and all of that second you cannot you cannot try to not make it wander the more you do it what you resist is going to persist so when it happens you just have to say oh it's doing its job i'm just going to bring it back to my breath you know i it's doing it's working normally you know what's the difference i often give this drastic example what's the difference between somebody who's special needs paraplegic or you know they they have some like you know i have a cousin who's uh, she's older than me but her brain is still that of like a 2 year old child mm. it's because her senses are not like her brain is not developed to do this kind of information processing so when your mind is perceiving all that it's doing its job it's working well instead of focusing on that you bring your mind back to the breath because the breath is always in the moment you cannot be like oh i've been breathing for 30 years i want to take a one day break <laughs> yeah it doesn't happen you know so that's why you bring it back to the breath so one i think misconception is that during my meditation practice or during my breathwork practice i should be concentrated no the fundamental misconception is that it's concentration focus feeling calm these are outcomes of a good breath work mm. a good meditation practice it may not be what happens during the practice so just like an athlete right like spending time in a gym is hard work okay it's not pleasant but then you show up with the six abs six pack abs you show up on the field and you know you make that throw that is good so when you're doing your breath work when you're mm. doing your meditation it may not always be pleasant think of it as vacuum cleaning your brain cleaning is not pleasant sometimes but how do you feel after it you you, you know you your blood you know your heart rate comes down your there are so many peer reviewed studies today that show 
that a good meditation practice, okay? And there's also another misconception between mindfulness versus meditation. Most people are actually trying to do med- mindfulness and they're thinking they're doing meditation, okay? Uh, there's a lot of re- research that good meditation practice shrinks your amygdala. It physically shrinks the amygdala, which means your resilience to a stress response increases. It's going to Mm. take a lot more to get you aroused now. So you're able to stay more calm in even higher and more stressful situations. So that's the second, that's one fundamental myth. So if if your mind is wandering, let it wander. That's, That's, it's doing its job. Just bring it back to the breath, okay? Without resisting it. The second misconception is um, that I should be feeling focused. No, that's a good outcome. Mm. How are you feeling? You're, you're not doing it for the pleasure during the technique. You're doing it for the effect afterwards. Okay, you're more present. And there's lots of data today that shows that actually, you know, um, intuitive leadership, the sense of empathy, um, uh, em- leading with empathy and all of that, you'll be able to do that more effortlessly if you spend that 20, 30, 40 minutes uh, prepping your mind for the day. Mm. Um, and and the other misconception is, oh, I've been meditating, I still get stressed. Like, dude, I just meditate, <laughs> how can I, how does that happen? So you have to understand that, um, you know, even elite athletes have a bad day, right? And, uh, but it's going to take you much less time to bounce back. So I've been doing these tools for almost 25 years. Mm. Like, oh, I feel old already, but it's not that stuff doesn't happen. It happens, but I'm able to sort of back more quickly. It doesn't take me that long. And the last thing I wanted to say is this, that, you know, people are scared of feeling anxious, right? And we have to understand that fundamentally, anxiety is a thinking disorder, okay? Anxiety is a thinking disorder. All these tools, whether it's breath work, mindfulness, meditation, exercise, cold shower, the role of all these tools is to calm your mind down, to subside that arousal in your amygdala so that you can actually use your prefrontal cortex, mm-hmm. right? And uh, uh, so whatever tool you're deploying, the goal, the outcome is to be able to think rationally when it matters most. Last thing I want to ask about the mechanics, and then we can talk about some of the crossovers into the business world, but just the mechanics, <clears throat> you've taught me how to, you know, provide myself a great space for it. So um, you gifted me wonderful uh, pillows and stuff that I have that I, I'm sitting right here looking at them. They're just fantastic. But to be erect, my back, my spine, to be straight up, how I sit, how I hold my hands, like when we do the breath work over Zoom, you're 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 asking me to smile. And could you just give some hygiene around some of the things that you should do? Should you know, should I be sitting up more than laying down? Should I be how should I be sitting? Should I, you know, not cross my legs? Just a little bit of hygiene on that would help people to get started. Sure. So again, it comes back to the physical structure. So most of the times people are sitting with when their knees are a little higher than their hips. Okay. And when that happens, your thighs are pressing into your abdomen. Do you see that? Yeah. Lift your knees for me. And when you do that, there's no space for the diaphragm to actually expand fully. Yeah. Okay. So you want to sit in a position where your knees are slightly below your hips. Can you just see that? Just, just sitting that way increases the space in your thoracic cavity. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to allow for the breath to be more effortless. So I like to tell people, if you're doing this, make it a ritual because you want to build a habit loop. You know, like you wake up every morning, you brush your teeth, you break up, every, you wake up every morning, you do five minutes of breath work. That yeah. should just become like a habit loop in your brain. So you want to repeat. And, you know, if you talk about memory, 
repetition is one way to sort of strengthen those neural networks in the brain. So you want to, that's why the importance of having a particular seat or a particular cushion and a particular time that every day, as soon as I wake up 7am, I do this and mm. then I go to work. So when you do that over repeatedly over time, uh, it builds new neural networks in your brain and they come in handy in stress. They're time. actually called, I just learned it yesterday, Johnny, on the Huberman lab. Um, they're called anticipatory neurons. So mm. the more we do things habitually, the body gets ready and says, let's go, dude, let's go. We're, we're ready. And if you don't do it, the, your body gets kind of a letdown. So your body's like, okay, let's It's like a dog. It's like, you know, a dog ready to eat. It's like wagging its tail and ready to go. Your body actually does that. So 7 a.m. Uh, breath work or what have you, you get these anticipatory neurons that say, we're ready. My, you're, we're actually ready for you to do this. So you, yeah. you, you can really build some, some powerful habit there. By the way, I love Dr. Huberman. Like he was one of our faculty for neuroscience-based coaches, coaching. Yes. Absolutely love the content he's putting out. Uh, but back to your point. So having a particular space, a specific uh, time and physical posture, you want to sit so that your knees are slightly below your hips, shoulders are relaxed. You, so again, the same thing, if you're leaning forward, you're uh, collapsing your abdominal cavity. So you want your th uh, shoulders to be over your uh, hips and neck in line with the spine. Yeah. And just uh, if you need backrest, take it. But uh, uh, you want to keep your spine straight uh, so that, you know, that uh, uh, the lungs have the space to kind of expand fully. And I would really encourage keeping the phone on silent, do not disturb, mm. even if it's just for three minutes so that you can be 100% focused. Like in performance science, we call it like binary mode of working where you're 100% immersed at the activity in the activity you're doing or 100% disengaged. So there's nothing in between that will also really uh, help uh, and cushions help because sometimes we have lower back problems. If you if a lot of people I work with, like yourself, are athletes, big muscular folks. So just keeping a little cushion below the spine elevates the spine and it just makes the whole thing so much mm -hmm. easier because otherwise it's harder to sit in a squatting position and all of that. So. You have to be comfortable so that you can focus on your breath and you want to keep your spine straight so that the abdominal cavity is available for proper breathing. And what's with the smile? Why, why are you always, are you just trying to make fun of me or why are you always telling me to smile? No, actually it's not making fun. You see, it takes less muscles yeah. to smile than to not, one. Two, every time you're smiling, you're sending a different signal to the brain. Yeah. Okay, that, hey, I'm, everything is amazing. You're tricking your brain. There's actually data to support this. That if you smile and you just keep smiling, the brain is like, okay, actually, maybe I'm not. I am not in a, such a threatful situation. Yeah. So you're priming your mind uh, and leveraging that network, how it works. Awesome. Hey, Johnny, let's, um, are you good to transition to some of this uh, business? Um, how have you seen this take off in the business world, Niha? Um, what, you know, kind of without, you don't have to mention companies or whatever, but what are you seeing out there that is, that it gets beyond the individual and, be, and has opportunities to be cultural inside of a company? So great question. And I think it's multi-level, right? There's so many things that are happening. I'd start with distraction. It's huge. Every day I meet people where it's hard, like data shows that an average knowledge worker is getting 11 minutes of focus work done per day. That's it. They're getting distracted 56 mm. times a day. You're using Slack. You're using WhatsApp. You're using phone call. You're using email. You're using Facebook group. You have workspace. You have Asana. Like, on an average, one knowledge worker is using at least six channels. So the rate of distraction is higher than it has been. Okay, so we're seeing a lot of distraction. And 
what that means is more discipline is needed. I, I often coach my folks to say, make a list of things you will not do. Okay. And prioritize, prioritize the stuff that matters. So one, I'm seeing a lot of distraction. Second, burnout. People are burnout. out. Even new hires, you know, with everything that's going on with the great resignation, when you hire new people, it's very highly likely that people are burnt out. Mm-hmm. And this has been, I think it's been really well received in the teams that I've worked, like, you know, done these kind of sessions for. I do a session called Beating Burnout as a Team, where uh, people often equate burnout to ho- go take a weekend off, you know, come back. But what I often hear is, I took three days off and I'm back to feeling overwhelmed. Okay, because you're not getting to the root cause of your burnout. And burnout has three causes, exhaustion, cynicism, and um, um, exhaustion, cynicism, and what was the third one? Um, God, I'm slipping my mind. Um, Inefficacy, inefficacy. So especially given the new way we are working with hybrid work, or virtual work, if you do not have the important skills to manage yourself, your manager routines, you don't have this ability where you're transitioning between work and uh, home, Mm. you're going to feel like you're perpetually working. Like I can't put it better, one person that I was working with, she's from India and she's like, Neha, you know when I used to go to office, my cab used to come at 7 p.m. So I had to go take the cab and that was like, now I'm done with work and I'm going home. But now there's no cab, so I keep working. I just keep Mm. working. So I had to tell her that now we have to have a mental cab, you know, or whatever you need. We need to put a little bit of structure on that. So, um, and likewise, you know, how I got pulled into the whole burnout thing was they were like, okay, Neha, come do some relaxation. But when I did all the research, and figured out that, oh, it's inefficiency, cynicism, and inefficacy. No matter how much meditation I make you do, if you're not addressing the inefficacy, or if you're not addressing why you're feeling cynicis, you know, cynical about the work culture, your team, you're going to still be burnt out. Mm. So I think burnout is huge. And uh getting to the root cause, identifying the root cause, and then tackling that um, uh, is is important. And the other thing that I'm seeing is, you know, just like a lot of isolation post-pandemic, a lot of post-pandemic grief, you know, millions of people died. And that has ramifications on people's lives. And, um, you know, their ability to uh, come up to speed in a new job. So much of communication is nonverbal, you know, and now we're just um, onboarding people virtually, all of that, you know, it puts a lot of immense amount of stress and stress is counterproductive to learning. Mm. Uh, so seeing all of that, I think that is a huge uh, space. And just, I think every time I do a session and share a little bit of science around it, I think it's like people's light bulbs go off, right? Like, oh yeah, oh man, yes, this makes sense, you know? I'm not the only one. Like to all the listeners, if you're listening, if you feel like you're overwhelmed, I just wanna share this quick piece of data that was published in a recent study done by Gallup, where 79% of the new hires reported feeling that they had an imposter syndrome. Wow. 79%. That means if you're feeling like an imposter, we now know your amygdala is aroused to a certain degree. It's counterproductive to coming up to speed faster. So first, you're not alone, right? If you're feeling that way, to do a few deep physiological sighs, make a ritual out of 16 second breaths. Even if it's just two minutes, three minutes, I'm a big fan of micro practices. Uh, in the long term, it's going to have a huge impact. So those are some of the key things. And I think from a sales leadership, just bringing people on board, enabling them, enabling effectiveness. Like, in fact, I just did a series of training on enabling effectiveness for frontline folks. 
but if people are stressed, forget about coming up to speed, being effective, you know, yeah. and yeah. those are a few things that I'm seeing. I think, um, I think one of the messages that I'm getting from you, and it's just kind of resonating for me, um, and my wife used to say to me, I'd get all these great ideas and I'd come home and I'd say, Hey, I want to do this. I want to do that. And she would always say to me, John, start at home, start at home. What she was really saying was start with yourself. I want the family to do this. I want the family to do that. And she would constantly say to me, John, start, you know, start within. And as I'm listening to you, I'm like, you know, yeah, it'd be great if my company would do this or that company would do that. But this is something that you've shared with us today that truly you can master these fundamentals for yourself. So if you're a leader out there and there's 79% of your new hires are, are feeling, you know, an imposter syndrome, you know, people don't quit companies. They quit us. They quit the leaders. Yes. And so when we're not in our best selves, when we're not in our, you know, I'm a different version of myself too, Johnny, you, you and I have talked about this from where I was in 2017 to where I am today. And, and these tools that are available to us to just kind of be the best versions of ourselves actually little, help us. Hate yeah. to interrupt you, but it was a little confusing for me when Johnny was saying that you, you know, are hazled. I was like, I've never seen that version of John. I mean, <laughs> it's still out there, Neha. I ain't gonna lie. You have to see him when he has a fish on the hook. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. One thing I was gonna tell you, John, you should have listened to Neha. So when I'm on the tea box and you're trying to tell me to think about some change, she just told me that it's gonna be very hard for me to do that on the tea box. Don't forget what I'm normally telling you breathe, because you're always That's holding right. your breath and you're not breathing. You are. You are, buddy. Hey, can I do a recap of where we've been? We've covered so much ground, and and um, you, you guys are probably going to have to help me with these definitions. Johnny, are you ready for a recap? Sure, yeah. Okay. So, you know, we started off with a, just a high-level discussion about parasympathetic and sympathetic. What I love is that Niha gave us a great definition around stress response. She said, you know, and this really resonated for me because I've been battling stress my whole life. Um, that acute stress is good. It's like it keeps us alive. It keeps us aware. It keeps us. But it's our stress response that really um, we should be focusing on. And Niha highlighted. Yeah, it's high. It's very powerful, Johnny. Really powerful. And then also, like anything else in our lives, Johnny, she said it's the absence of recovery that causes us a problem. Not yeah. that we're experiencing stress, is that we don't have a mechanism to recover from the stress. And that was very uh, powerful for me. She talked about disciplined recovery routines um, and a nervous system that doesn't get an opportunity to reset. And I found that in my life where that's where I got into trouble is my nervous system stayed in a certain way uh, until I learned these techniques one of the things, and I'm going to have to go do research on this, which I really, and we'll try to find it and put it in the show notes, is we'll work with you, um, Niha, to do that. But you talked about the sympathetic chain ganglia, and you talked about the mechanism from, you know, in our neck all the way down to our belly button. Talked about the mechanisms of epinephrine, and there's upregulation and downregulation, and these are all the ways that God designed us. And our our response to these things are what's screwing it up, not what we're automatically born with. And so we can just we can just tap into it. You talked about the executive functions of the brain with the primitive, and the social, and the task. One thing I wrote down and I'm never going to forget is you can't manage the mind from the mind. And even though you've taught me this before, that was really important for me to hear that today because I needed to write it down again. Johnny, she, uh, Niha talked about, you know, if you want to lower the heart rate, you breathe out longer than you're breathing in. That was a really good reminder for me today uh, um, uh, on a technique. Um, just getting really kind of real with ourselves. It's the job's mind to be active. So when we're trying to do this and the mind is flying a little bit, I actually, in the practice Niha taught me, I actually think of myself, Johnny, as sitting by a river <clears throat> and there's stuff floating down the river and there'll yeah. be some nasty stuff in my mind. And I, and I have been able to, and this is so powerful for me today, I can see the nasty thing in the river, but I can also watch it float away. And even if it comes back, 
I can still watch it float away again. And that's kind of, that's my mantra that I use. I just L- picture love myself. That analogy. I love yeah. That. Yeah. Just sitting by the river, uh, manage the mind from the level. You can't manage the mind from the level of the mind. What you resist is going to persist. And Niha is always saying in her guided meditation, which I'm going to highly encourage people to sign up for, but I can hear you in my mind, Niha. You're always saying, come what may, come what may. And that what that means to me is stuff is going to come to me and just it comes and then it, it, it just goes. Um, so we also talked about, <clears throat> I love this analogy, um, Johnny, where she talked about it, Niha talked about it like us being athletes and nobody likes the training. Nobody, I mean, we like it a little bit, but it's hard. And we, we have a different kind of response to the training on how hard it is versus, you know, when you and I are practicing, Johnny, and the, you know, at the range or just going and hitting balls instead of playing. And then when we actually go and hit ball, when we actually go and play, we enjoy it because we've already put in the work. So it wasn't supposed to be fun at the range. It was supposed to be fun on the course. And I, I love that analogy that you used, Niha, when you talked about, you know, putting in the work is the, is the hard part, but putting in the, um, you know, experiencing the fun uh, of playing is where it really comes to, is where it really comes to, where it comes to light. You talked about, we ended on burnout and, and um, you, you talked about exhaustion and cynicism and being ineffective and 79% of new hires feeling the imposter syndrome or what have you. So the bottom line is this, there's not a single individual listening to this podcast that can't understand what we're talking about. And our goal, my goal, John's goal, and, and now Nihan's goal, Niha's goal, thank you so much for coming is to just allow you to be in a safe space to say, look, there's not a person on the planet that's not experiencing these challenges in life. And there were some cool little tools that we talked about today. Give me those sighs again. What was the name of the sigh that you taught us? Physiological sigh. Okay, the physiological sigh. And then you talked about the four, four, six, two. 16 second breath, yes. 16 second breath were two great, great tools. Johnny, what I miss? You did a great job. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Hey, Johnny, will you take Niha through a little, um, will you take her through a little rapid, uh, fire? rapid, rapid fire. fire? Let's do it. How about some fun questions, Niha? Yeah. Get to, get to know you a little bit better. Okay. How about your ideal day off of work? Uh, being in silence on a beach. Uh, yeah. By myself. Listening to the waves? Listening to the waves, uh, just walking by the beach, meditating. I, I, I am obsessed with being with myself. So, <laughs> nice. <laughs> I like that. Myself. How about your favorite meal? My favorite meal is um, it's an Indian dish. Uh, it's uh, called chole with puris. So, it's like a bread, especially leaven bread with chickpeas. Spicy? No. Spicy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like it spicy. All right. Spicy. Nice. Yeah. You have a favorite movie? I don't own a television and I don't watch a lot of movies, but when I was She's a beast. She's a beast. You. Love that. Yeah, but I have a pretty auto-telling lifestyle. But when I was a child, there was this very beautiful Hindi movie, you know, and I, I think I've always just sort of gravitated towards it. It was about this really, it was called Hatim Thai, but the story was about this um, hero on a crusade to kind of uh, free this person who had been captivated. And he had to overcome seven challenges. And every challenge was a fundamental tenant of living life. And I still remember, you know, most of them, like one of them was when you do charity, you just forget it. That's the way to do charity. So that mm. movie, I watched it again and again and again, like for like four or five years. That was my favorite movie. And Ooh, what's like, the name of that one again? It's Hatim Thai. <laughs> I awesome. Asked. You got it. Send us a link. Send, or send it to, I'll get it from you and we'll put it in the show notes. That sounds like one that, that I would love. Yeah, it was, it's, I still remember it because I think stories are very powerful and helping us remember and very fundamental tenets I learned from that movie. How about best concert? 
Coldplay. Ooh. There you go. Uh, but yeah, I like them. They're good. Yeah. Well, Niha, thank you so much for answering so many questions I had and then sharing the power of the breath with our audience, which I'm sure a lot of people, and hopefully a lot of people take up some of your breath work with you. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I absolutely loved being here and it gives me so much joy. You know, like it doesn't feel like work for me. It lights me up mm. and thank you. I have to thank John Kaplan for introducing me or actually I always knew it, but he kind of like made it really practical. Like that comment about resting space. And I think it's always stayed like, this is my resting space. I feel energized as I do it. I love, love having the opportunity to be of service. So thank you. You're, you're an absolute joy. You've been a huge impact to me and my family. And I thank you so much. I, I want to give you a chance to talk about your favorite charity. And then I want to ask you, how can people connect with you? Like what could be some cool steps for that? So first let's talk about your favorite charity. So Project Welcome Home Troops, like awesome. I'm a facilitator for that. And I, I I think we have to give back to the people who give us so selflessly. So Excellent. that would be my favorite charity that I'm supporting at the moment. Awesome. And um, yeah. yeah. So, mm -hmm. so how do, like if somebody's listening and they're like, well, my company, if I'm not going to wait for my company to do this or what have you. Do you have like a practice that people can just like connect with you and say, I want, I want, I know the answer to this because I've sent tons of my friends to you. So, but could you kind of explain how we might be able to connect with you? Yeah. So I work one-on-one -on -one with executive clients, but like I have like try to engage with them for at least eight to 12 months for any sustainable change. So that's one-on-one -on -one coaching. And then I have a group coaching program. You can go to thebreathyogi.com to kind of get that information. That's and awesome. Then we yeah. ha have Airworks, which is just about starting doing corporate trainings, um, but it's still in the, it's still, it's a baby right now. <laughs> you're going to, you're going to crush it. Everything that you're touching on this journey is turning to gold. So Niha, thank you so much. Um, I, for many thank yous for a lot of different reasons, but I'm so thankful to have met you. Thank you for coming on the podcast and you're an absolute joy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, John. You're welcome. And thank you all thank you. for listening to Revenue Builders. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Be sure to check us out at forcemanagement.com.